Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Golikin's Menu. I'm Mike Golikin. I'm Jessica Smetana. Welcome to another edition of Golik and Smetty. Mike Golik Sr., Jess Smetana. Jess, it has been a while. I somewhat like my, and Westwood One, my Sunday night guy is Ryan Radke, who does play-by-play with, but I haven't been with him the last couple of weeks because I had to do the Monday night game, and we were together on Sunday, and it was like getting to know one another again. I almost feel like that's what we have to do here. I feel like so much has happened in the sports world since our last podcast together, Mike. I, I mean, the last time we talked, the USC Trojans were a top 10 football team. The 49ers <laughs> were unstoppable. Like So much has happened. I don't even know where to begin. And I don't even care about the sports world. Jess, how are you doing in your oh. life? I'm doing well. If you're wondering what this is behind me, I'm currently recording this from Meadowlark's New York studio. So this is Pablo Torre's uh, backdrop for his podcast, Pablo Torre Finds Out. Um, and, what is you know, it? Is it a painting or is it a... No, it's like a LED screen. Okay. And apparently like they have the technology where they can put up a live stream of the Miami studio on the back of this oh. wall. So like you could theoretically like call into Miami and and pretend like you're there. So I don't know. I might need to stay here and test out this technology for a little bit. But Mike, things are going well. I, I really enjoy being up in New York and feeling a little bit of the the seasons change for a minute. So I'm I'm enjoying myself. How long have you been up there? Like four days. I've I've been reacquainted with my tiny coffee cup place. This place in New York has just the cutest little tiny coffee cups for that? macchiatos. That, that's not Look a at how adorable of... this yeah, is. Yeah, but that's not a cup of coffee. What, what unless it's a straight caffeine or espresso. It is. It's like a okay. double shot of espresso. It's a it's like an Italian macchiato. So I've learned this through the years. Starbucks apparently their macchiatos are really just lattes because they put like a shot of espresso and then a crap ton of milk. But a real macchiato is just espresso with like a tiny splash of milk. And that's why they put it in this tiny little cup because it's not a lot of volume. Okay. So I, I love to go to this place and drink my tiny little coffee. It's so, so cute. So I'm going to ask the question because I I drink coffee. Like so, drip coffee. Yeah. I don't know. What is a macchiato? So a macchiato is just espresso and a tiny splash of milk. And then there's a cortado, which I believe is espresso and then two ounces of milk. So it's like equal milk to espresso. And then a latte is like espresso and then like a lot of milk. And I don't like that much milk. So I drink the macchiato. So just just for wondering, like I get a cup of coffee, I get a big cup of coffee. When you get that macchiato, that, that tiny little cup. It's so cute. How much does that cost? Uh, I want to say like three fifty. Okay, I actually thought it would be more. 
I actually it's thought not, it would be more. It, it, you know, it depends where you go. Some places, the most expensive coffee is like the cold brew now. Those, there are places in Miami where a cold brew is like $8. It's mind boggling. But no, these are not that bad. And these are, if you go abroad, like Americans, we're the only people apparently that drink the drip coffee. If you go abroad, they don't have, co- they don't brew coffee that way. You can get like an Americano, right. which is espresso and water. And so I, I don't, I'm not European. I just, first, I just love espresso, but it does make it easier. Like when I was in Ireland, just ordering my little macchiato, I didn't have to do the whole song oh, and dance with the American coffee. That's where it was in, in Ireland. I was trying to get some coffee and they had a machine and nowhere did it. I was looking for it to just say coffee, <laughs> <laughs> but you would expect that out of me. But, but the only thing close was the Americano, and I and I didn't know what that was, and I was just, Jess, I was literally just staring at it, till someone <laughs> someone came up and said, "Do you want something in particular?" I said, "Yeah, I just want a friggin' cup of coffee," because there must have been <laughs> ten choices up there, right? And I don't know what the hell all of them are. And they say, like they said, like like two, what you said, like drip coffee. I said, "Yeah, a basic cup of coffee is all I want." And they said, "The closest you're going to get is Americano." So just just hit that one. And, and I just thought that was like regular type drip coffee. But you're telling me that's Americano is not like regular coffee. No, it's like watered down espresso. It still tastes good. Like no, you get yeah, an iced Americano. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. It tastes kind of like an iced coffee. It's not that different. But yes, it it is different. And they do not drink drip coffee there. So you can't just like go into Starbucks and get like, you know, a venti drip okay. coffee without so, having to explain. Last thing I want to ask you before we get to what's changed in the world of sports since we last chatted was when you go in and order coffee somewhere, Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, what, whatever, coffee shop, and do you drink cold brew or hot? Do you, do, I or- love cold. I, drink, I gen- generally drink year-round cold brew, except if it's cold outside and I don't have gloves. Okay. So if I walk in and I say I'd like a large cup of coffee, should that be understood that I want hot dripped coffee? Or is that too broad of a statement in today's world of coffee where I need to say, I'd like a large hot coffee? It depends how you phrase it. I think if you say you want a large cup of coffee, that implies hot in a hot cup okay. with a lid. Okay. If you just say you want a large coffee, like right. that could mean anything. You could get that I mean the so possibility. So I need to specify hot now. Yes, a hundred percent. Cold brew has taken over the world. I, I agree with that, so but, but shouldn't you have to say I'd like a cold brew or because isn't there different kinds of cold brews? There's nitro cold brews now, which are like the nitrogen one. Those are like rocket fuel. If I have one of those, I will be extremely productive for two hours and then sleep for five hours after right, that right. in the middle of the day. So I, I try to like limit my nitro consumption. But yes, there are. I mean, and there's okay. also iced coffee versus cold brew versus like the right. nitro cold brew. So I but- figured you guys, you cold coffee drinkers should have to specify what you want. And me as what's been a regular cup of Joe for decades, I should be able to say I'd like a large cup of coffee and it should be inferred that it's a large hot cup of coffee. I think that baristas probably get yelled at more on average than any other service workers. <laughs> so that's probably why they ask so many qualified <laughs> questions because people that don't have their coffee go absolutely yeah. crazy if they don't get it made the right way. 
Um, so I, I, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be specific. All right. All right. <laughs> I, I'm glad I've been, been educated on, on a macchiato and cause I've heard but, of all it's those just things. So adorable. Listen, it's a, so cute. A latte. I'm not going to lie. When I see people get a latte and they get the, the whipped cream on it, it looks like dessert in a cup. Yeah. That's I can't do, like. I can't do that much sugar in the morning. Again, I will take a five hour nap. If that I, I would have to, I would imagine the sugar and fat content of a latte has to be incredible right it has, it has to be worse than a dessert it probably depends what kind of milk you get if you get any like pumps of flavoring in it but <laughs> i just like black coffee i just want oh really my, okay. i want my coffee to like hurt i want to feel it i don't want it i don't want it watered down like that's why i get a little macchiato just got a tiny tiny splash of oat milk nothing okay. nothing serious so you I, want it's, the- actually it's foam i don't think you actually put milk in it but some people make it the wrong way it's just like a tiny bit of foam so you want the effective coffee that's what you're looking for yeah i'm looking for a feeling as if i've just taken a large stimulant which okay. i have all right. I, I, I am just, I, I'm amazed at the whole coffee world now, especially the lattes, because it, it, it just seems like dessert cup to me. Mike, I saw someone on, so there's this woman on TikTok who um, shows, like she films herself making people's orders at Dunkin' Donuts and someone ordered a seven pump butter pecan, seven pump caramel iced coffee. And she held up the cup and the, like, it was like one of those big Dunkin' Donuts right, cups. Right. It was clear. And this much of it was full of syrup. Oh. And then like a splash of coffee on top. I was like, what? That's and she, she took a sip of it and was like, oh, my chest hurts. Like, this is terrible. And this is like, some woman comes in and orders this every day. I can't imagine having that much sugar in my coffee. Well, that's the thing. It seems like these orders are, are everyday orders. That's, or I guess uh, there's coffee in her sugar, technically. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. It's just like caramel sludge on the bottom. It is It is amazing, the different combinations you can get there. Okay. All right. We've, we, it seems we've caught up now. We have. I mean, this, uh, this tiny little cup of coffee is the only thing going on with me right now. And I love it. I have it's never so seen a, a, a shot of coffee that small, unless it was just scale, like now next uh, to my giant uh, head. I will say the last time, you know, when the Super Bowl was in Miami and I was doing, you know, the morning show there, me and Wingo and my son Mike, and we had a setup there in Radio Row. We had those little shots. What are they called down? Oh, the cafecito. Yeah. That's in Miami. Yeah. Yes. Those, those are they brought those up to our to our Ooh. set, you know. And yeah. again, I it was tiny. I'm like, come on, I need to they said, No, 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 you don't want a big cup of coffee, a cup of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I heard like Wingo almost died. Yeah. Them. Yeah. He yeah. had never, we had never had him before <laughs> and he started flying through them and, and, you know, was promptly told, <laughs> dude, scary. you know, pump the brakes. Well, I, so that was the first time that I had tried cafecito also. And now I live in Miami. So we make like every day in the studio, someone will make a batch and pass it out. It's like a little afternoon pick me up. I, right. I To me, like, it's not like, I don't want to start my day with that, but like at two o'clock in the afternoon when you're dragging, like it's the perfect little like shot of coffee, but though that is, has so much sugar in it also, but it's so, the coffee itself is so strong that you feel it immediately. We always warn people if they haven't had it before, like t- take one at a time. It's like having like a, an edible or something. It's yeah. like one at a time. If you don't feel anything yet, just wait. Yeah, Trey didn't, Trey didn't listen to that. <laughs> Trey just kept, kept uh, downing them. It sounds like at some point your body is supposed to get used to it. Uh, maybe, Never. maybe not. I, I don't know, but uh, it was an experience because I, I, I have not had the cold brew or the nitro or the iced coffee. I, I don't like my coffee cold. I never have. And mm-hmm. all my kids do it, as, as you well know, since you, oh, you I know, know Gojo loves Yeah, that. loves that stuff. I just haven't gone down that road. And I doubt I will. If I want something cold, you know, I'll get an unsweetened iced tea or a Diet Coke. 
or something like that as my cold drink and mm. uh, and I'm good. So, all right, there we go. We have we have dissected the coffee world before we get into the ever changing uh, football world. Coffee is more important. Yeah, coffee is more important. It is it is more you know life sustaining than us watching <laughs> football. And even though you're Pittsburgh Steelers, Kenny Pickett is oh, uh, had himself a game in a, in a fourth Crazy. quarter. Uh, but but boy, a lot has changed. You're right uh, in the NFL. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Let's start with the latest, and that was just this past Monday night, where, I mean, as, as we were getting ready to watch the game, my wife said, like, she was, I think Minnesota's going to win this game, and no particular reason, but and Minnesota did win the game. It was somewhat stunning to me. So you wonder, is, is San Francisco, who we basically handed the mantle of, you're the best, deepest team in the NFL, has now gone back-to-back losses? Yeah, it's crazy, and like the – the question this weekend was which team between like the 49ers and the Eagles, the Eagles had a tough test on Sunday night football against the dolphins. One of the best scoring offenses in the NFL, like which team would have a better rebound. Um, and you know, it's, it's always tough playing on prime time, but the Vikings have not been very good this year. No. They have not had, they don't have a great defense. Kirk cousins can be very off and on. Sometimes they do have a couple of really great wide receivers and Jordan Addison had a huge game, but yes. uh, I, I think Debo Samuel getting hurt and Christian McCaffrey maybe being a little banged up is not a great, um, not a great combination for San Francisco's offense. Like not having those guys totally healthy, or even you know Debo didn't Debo didn't play last no, night. So play. I I I think it's it's surprising that they they weren't able to find a way to win against a pretty weak Vikings team. But also like the 49ers, I kind of feel like I want to wait and see how like this is a team that. November and December always down the stretch are really good. They just, you know, abuse people on the other side of the ball all the time and they end up finishing the season pretty strong. So like, I'm not that worried about them, but it is concerning. I think that Brock Purdy didn't look very good last night. He looked like he didn't have the weapons that he needs to play well. And it is not, it's not ideal for them. If you need every single player to be healthy, to be able to win those games. That's, that's the, the, the point I think is they probably have the deepest weapons on offense and only one was missing. You know, you still had Kittle, you still had Ayuk, you still had Christian McCaffrey who scored two touchdowns. Their offense looked so bad <laughs> compared to a couple of weeks ago. They did. And as far as the the receivers in this game, uh, Kittle had five catches, Ayuk had five catches, uh, Jennings okay. had five catches, um, and, and McCaffrey had three and, and only rushed for 45 yards, but did have two touchdowns. And oh, by the way, he has now scored a touchdown in 16 straight games, which is crazy. He is one away from tying Lenny Moore in NFL history. And Lenny Moore did it in 1963 and 64. <laughs> so that is is crazy. But that is a worry on the offense that only Debo was missing. And what Purdy didn't play great, certainly, but he didn't, he wasn't the reason they lost. Now he did have two fourth quarter interceptions, two, two not very good throws, uh, which certainly hurt. But 
Looking on the defensive side, Kirk Cousins threw the ball 45 times and that San Francisco defense had, count them, zero sacks. Zero sacks with that defense led by Nick Bosa. So that was surprising to me that that happened. And and, and I wonder now, which makes it interesting, because we've basically handed San Francisco the division easily and wondering who they'll play if it'll be them and Philly in the NFC title game, right? That's been the talk. They are now sitting at five and two. Seattle is sitting at four and two. And these two teams play two of the three, they play in a three-week period twice toward the end of the season. So, I mean, do we think that division might actually be up for grabs or do do we still think San Francisco is going to control it? Are we also completely writing off the Rams now? Like they they lost to the Steelers, which is bad. No one should lose to the Steelers. Yeah, <laughs> I will you know, say yeah. the Steelers the Steelers have Deontay Johnson back, and they look a little bit better with him. But the you know the Rams beat or I'm sorry the the Seahawks like you said yeah. have beaten Detroit this year. Detroit is like a solid team, although they got their butts kicked by the Ravens this sure weekend. Did. But their other wins have come to Arizona, the Giants, and Carolina. And they have losses to the Bengals and the Rams. So they haven't beaten a team with a winning record other than Detroit, which was an overtime. It was a big game. Um, But coming down the stretch, like they've got to play all the AFC North teams now who have, you know, kind of hitting their stride. Like Cleveland's defense looks really good. Baltimore's offense might have finally put some things together. So I'm kind of like. Geno Smith has played well. He's he's doing very well on the Seahawks offense again. Like last year was not a fluke, but I'm kind of like, okay, I want to reserve judgment on the Seahawks a little bit because so far against tough teams, they have not really, they have really haven't played any yet. It's kind of like the Dolphins. Like the Dolphins, if you look at who they've they've beaten, right? They, I don't yep. think they've beaten a team with a winning record yet. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been more of a struggle for them. And I called that game Sunday night when when it, while it was 31-17, the Dolphins' offense only put up. 10 because they had a pick six on the defensive side of the ball. So kudos to the Philly defense for that. The other team real quick, just because of the ancillary thing about it, Detroit sitting there at five and two, Minnesota at three and four, two games back. They're another team that they play each other twice in a three week period. So they still have the two games against one another. But the ancillary thing is in another what week we have the trade deadline and everybody was talking about should the Vikings trade Kirk Cousins. Now, it's very easy to say, hey, trade somebody, but you got to find a dance partner, right? Somebody has right. to be willing to take him, knowing it might be a year rental and you have to give up assets for it. The latest team people talked about was the Cleveland Browns with Deshaun Watson. You're not sure about him, plus, he's not playing well. You know, how far is PJ Walker going to take you? You have a you have an unbelievable defense. So yeah. maybe you get a guy like Kirk Cousins to, to, and maybe you can make a run. But what is Minnesota thinking? Because we don't think Minnesota is going to keep them next year. If they try and tag them, I think it's like $200 million. I'm obviously being facetious. It's not that much, but it's a ton of money. I don't, think they, I don't think they want to sign him to another long-term deal. But with Detroit getting dumped the way they did, Minnesota winning that game, they still played Detroit twice. Do you wonder if, if they're going, you know what? Everybody was handing it to Detroit. Maybe we can still be there in the end. I think the Vikings should punt on the season now that you have a superstar quarterback like Tyson Badgett in your division. <laughs> like, there's no way they're <laughs> going to be able to beat the Bears. Um, but I, I do think tr- Kirk has a no trade clause in he his does. contract, so he, he would have to waive he that would have to, to be waive traded. It. Yes, I'm with you though. I, I don't necessarily know who. Uh, I get the the Browns trading for him like. 
are you really going to punt this the rest of the season on your $230 million guaranteed quarterback? I don't know what's going on with Watson. Like he didn't either. play because of the shoulder contusion. And then this weekend he w- went in concussion protocol, apparently cleared concussion protocol, yes. but they left PJ Walker in yep. the game, which is really interesting. Like I, I don't entirely understand that. Um, but that I think that would be really surprising to me if you trade for Kirk Cousins to the Browns. I'm with you. Their defense is legit. Oh. Miles Garrett is so good. Probably the defensive player that you're front runner yep. right now, like six weeks or seven weeks into the season. But um, that would shock me just from like an optics perspective for for Cleveland to do that. Cleveland defense is giving up 18 yards a drive on average, which is historic. In that, yeah. it's incredible. And then you saw Miles Garrett just jump over the line on the field goal to block them. And again, you can do that as long as you don't put your your hands on the offensive lineman and use leverage, it's legal. Yeah. But you don't think people can do that without touching the old line. He's a 280 to 290 pound freakazoid that jumped them without putting his hands on him. It's, it's ridiculous uh, how good he is, which kind of leads to looking at the AFC. Kansas City's a top team for sure, right? But we're now we're changing, right? We, we, it, was, it was Buffalo. And now Buffalo is sitting there with three losses. Then it was Miami, right? And then Miami gets dumped by Philadelphia. So now is it Baltimore? You know, after crushing Detroit, that offense looked like the complete, uh, the complete uh, kind of thing that Todd Munkin was brought in for. Uh, Lamar only ran the ball nine times, and and they weren't all you know regular you know designed runs. There was some scrambling, and he passed the ball incredibly well. So. Are we, it seems like we're we're trading the mantle of who's second best in the AFC every week, and now it's Baltimore. Yeah. Also, I want to go back. I said Kirk Cousins going to the Browns would shock me for optics reasons. The Browns don't care about optics. They no, they Sean don't. Watson and gave no. him two hundred thirty. No. So self a self edit. Yeah. Rewind. Put that sentence at the end there. They, they don't care about care that. less about optics, um, <laughs> morals, anything like that. They don't care. They don't, they don't care. care. No. But I mean, so so is the question? It's Chiefs, and then who underneath the Chiefs? Because right. yeah. I mean, the I thought the Bills Patriots result this weekend was one of the most confusing. Stunner. Like Bill Belichick signs an extension after all of this. Like, is Bill Belichick losing his marbles? What's you know what's going on in New England? Nope, we're we're keeping him. He's sticking him around. And then they beat you know a division rival in the in the Bills, who like the Bills have been so up and down. I don't I don't think I would put them in like my top four, them. top five yeah. in the AFC. I don't trust them either. Yep. It's like some games like Josh Allen is amazing. He's like the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life. And some games like they can't score. It's crazy. Um, I don't know. I still like the Dolphins, even though you know they got their butts kicked. And I and I just said that they haven't beaten a team with a winning record. Uh, I'm pretty sure this season they've beaten the Panthers, the Giants, the Broncos. They you know put 70 points on the Broncos. The Chargers are so abysmal. I don't again <laughs> don't know what's going on with them. Um, but I, I think I think the Dolphins are still really good, and I think. I will probably be saying that about the Ravens in a couple weeks. I just like, I, yeah. I watched them play, you know, against the Steelers two weeks ago, their offensive players dropped like a combined 500 passes and they couldn't do anything against the Steelers defense, which is a good defense in, in a lot of, in a lot of positions. But, um, I still kind of want to watch them play a few more games against some of the other teams, in the division. Yeah. The chargers, I, I act the Sunday night game is Chicago at the chargers. That's the game I have to call Sunday night and, 
Wow. I mean, I, I don't know if Justin Fields is going to be back from the dislocated thumb. Maybe we get another Tyson Badgett out there uh, who, who played who played well, only had eight incompletions, didn't turn the ball over as the Bears uh, got a win. But I thought my son Mike had a really good analogy about Miami. You looked at the Miami and Philly game, again, which I was fortunate enough to call in Philadelphia. Philly went back to their Kelly Green, the colors I wore when I was in Philadelphia. I love those uniforms. Was very, yeah. I wish they would stay with those uniforms. I think they're they're fantastic. But what he said, I think is right, that Miami is like a Ferrari or like a, a, a high-tech sports car where if one stone pops up into the engine, it can kind of get rattled. And Philadelphia is like a car from the Mad Max series that just just <laughs> runs into everything, gets gets bashed, and just there's keeps a guy going. playing the electric guitar. Yeah, 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 and they but they just keep going. They can't get run off the road. I thought that was a a pretty good analogy. So I, I I'm still kind of with you on Miami. You know, in the what have you done for me lately moment, it's kind of Baltimore. I think everybody is going to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll see. And I think quickly in the NFC. Um, uh, you know, Philadelphia and the only team, obviously with one loss, San Fran just went back to back losses. I don't know who else to put there. Right. I mean, it, it's certainly not as deep as the AFC. And we had said Philly, San Fran, San Fran, Philly, whatever order you wanted. And then Detroit and they just get dumped the way they did. Dallas, we're still not sure. of. So I, I don't know where to go outside of Philadelphia and San Francisco still. I feel, I feel less inclined to say anything nice about the lions this week and like i was i was watching football with one of my friends who's a nfl reporter and they were like i love after you know the first eight weeks when you see you know a lot of teams it's like a regression to the mean like all the all the early season darlings get their butts kicked and then we're like oh okay same old lions i don't know if that's fair i do think they're better than they have any business being being a, a football team in Detroit, yeah. having having the history that the Lions do. But I am I like I am less inclined to be like, yeah, wow, they're legit, like they're for real. They got absolutely beaten by the they Ravens, thirty eight to six. They did. And I think more people are now going to wonder: Can the Vikings catch them than Detroit if they can run away? Uh, or Tyson Badgett. I yeah, mean, there you go. Can can vision. he bring those Bears up from a two and five record right now? <laughs> We will see. All right, that's our NFL recap. Coming up in college football, again, since Jess and I last did a pod, a lot has changed. Some were very happy about of what has happened to a big Notre Dame rival. And the other is intriguing, and it involves a camera. And should you be at a game with a camera? And should you be filming certain things that you're not allowed to film? We'll talk about that next. All right, Jess, as I said, and we've talked about, we've, we've been apart for a couple of weeks, and we didn't do a show since Notre Dame played USC. And by the way, that was Notre Dame's fourth night game against an undefeated ranked opponent, which, you know, was very, very difficult. The week before, they had <laughs> lost to Louisville, and you're like, oh, my my gosh. I mean, what a what a schedule. It was Notre Dame's second loss, so they were out of the out, really out of the playoff hunt here. And here they were taking on number 10 USC. What a fun game that had to be to watch for you, right? I mean, I, my wife oh. and I were at the game. Man, was that fun to watch. That defense just absolutely destroyed Caleb Williams and that offense. And then USC goes and loses again to Utah, something they've done for the last few years anyway. So uh, they're they're out of the, the, the playoff picture. Caleb Williams is out of the, uh, the Heisman picture. So, and that all started with a loss to Notre Dame. So, we should feel good about that. I'm just still in shock about it. Like, I think at the, I don't know, 
32nd mark of the game, I just uh, immediately like blacked out for the rest of it. Like Caleb Williams threw an interception on the first drive. Yeah. And I was like, this is going t- way too well. Like something is amiss because I, we at Notre Dame fans are a little traumatized this yeah. season <laughs> playing in these primetime games. The best news of my week, by the way, was the Clemson game will probably be at three 30. I was like, thank God. I can't, right. I yeah. can't do this anymore. Also, I'm also going to be at a wedding that day. So Which I'll be able crazy. to watch it before the wedding starts. Crazy. I agree. Yeah. So anyways, Mike, I completely disassociated because at halftime when that whole Marcus Freeman calling a timeout halftime debacle happened. Yep. Notre Dame was up, I think, three scores, maybe two scores. I can't remember. USC kicked a field goal, and I was like, okay, this is going way too well. If Notre Dame blows it, this is going to be one of the most epic losses of my lifetime, and that includes the epic loss to Ohio State earlier this season where they had 10 men on the field. Ugh. You can't lose a game where the other team's quarterback gives you three interceptions right. and you score touchdowns on them. So I was panicking. Even though the rest of the game, like USC never got a lead. They never got within one score. It was I am so traumatized by watching Notre Dame football that I could not even enjoy it. So I've been enjoying it since it ended. I've been basking in the reaction from USC fans and also the reaction from Oklahoma fans who have been just rubbing it in. They're they're all, I mean, they kind of had the similar, not the same Lincoln-Riley relationship that a lot of Notre Dame fans have with Brian Kelly. The difference is Brian Kelly, like, didn't bring a bunch of players with him to LSU. Mm -hmm. You know, Logan Diggs transferred there a year later, and he tried to bring some of the coaches with him, but most of them said no. Um, Lincoln Riley, you know, brought Caleb Williams with him. So a lot of a lot of player turnover at OU and they they did not do well with Brent Venables in his first year as a head coach. So now they're watching Lincoln Riley flounder at USC and they're more excited than Notre Dame fans are. Yeah. And Notre Dame fans are very excited about it. There's been I read Bill Plaschke's column this week that absolutely hammered Lincoln Riley because he has the same record as Clay Helton through 22 games. He didn't let uh, he didn't make players available to the media after they lost to Utah, and all of these reasons. Like USC hasn't addressed their major issues on defense with Alex Grinch, and now they have two losses. They're more than likely out of the playoff conversation, oh, and fine. you can't you can't. You can't look at their schedule down the stretch. You get the games against Washington and Oregon, and, Oregon, yeah. and USC or UCLA. I'm yeah. sorry, who has a really good defense. Um, don't you know? Don't talk about them very much because they have lost a couple games right. already. But they have a tough stretch, and it doesn't look good. They're they're not going to play for a Pac-12 championship more than likely. And now that like you know, I've seen people in the media say that Caleb Williams should sit the rest of the season. Yeah, which what do you I think, think about crazy. that? You know, so th- this is where we are. We're to the point where we have had a high school player who committed to Colorado once his team I think they started out two and four or right in that area there stopped playing because he wanted to and it wasn't because he didn't want to get hurt it was because he wanted to graduate early uh in that December so he could go to Colorado and he didn't plan that until this year so he had to take a bunch of extra classes and he said he couldn't fit football in as well and he wanted to get to college to which my thought is everybody can make the choice you want but man High school football is kind of the last bastion of just go have fun with no responsibilities. And you, <laughs> and you kind of gave that one up as yeah. the hurry to get well, to college, you know? Yeah. When, as, as we've professionalized college football, the trickle down effect is that, you know, high school football is now you're making business decisions when you're 16, 17 years old. That's probably been the case for a while. But I think now, you know, high school football has become a lot more visible in like the the way that we 
track recruiting now. Like these, right. these high school players are, are, if you're a football fan, some of them are like household names. It is amazing. What do you think so of Taylor I'm, Williams saying? I, if he wants to sit out because he doesn't want to get hurt, he doesn't want to screw up his draft chances. I think it, it is his choice. He can do whatever he wants. Sure, I do yeah. think it's a big gamble. I do think after the last two, and and I don't even know if he's considering this. This is something right. that it's I saw people around people him. around. Well, around it was the it was the dad football. who it was the dad who brought up. He may not even want to go to whoever picks number yeah. one. He may not. Which which stop it. Because Which you know the, what, Bear, the Bears aren't going to draft him if they have Tyson Badgett, so well, well, it doesn't matter. Boom, there you go. But but the thing about that is, as as I've said, so you wait another year to go number one. Guess what? You're going to a bad team then too. Yeah. So that That's stuff, no. I don't I don't want to hear it. That's not going to happen. If he's going to go number one, he is going to be gone. But to stop playing with a handful of games to go, we already know guys sit out bowl games, and I get it. Or I get that. Or or if yeah. you're injured, you know, if, if you're nicked a little bit, say, you know what, I'm going to cover my bases. But just to stop playing once you're kind of out of it for a title, that would be and, – and I guess we're going to keep getting new ground broken with some of the actions here, and that's what we might get. Well, it has happened before, not with uh, quarterbacks, but there have been players like that have, you know, sat the end of a season that maybe could have played, but had a lingering injury. And they right. were like, I'm going to get drafted in the first round, so I'm not going to do this. Um, but I this do is think, no though, injury. This one is no, no injury. Yeah, this is just he, stop playing. He, that would be a huge gamble because the last two games against top rated defenses, he hasn't played very well. Um, so I think if you're him or, you know, any college player, especially at the quarterback position, this year is going to be a stacked NFL draft for quarterbacks. There's a lot of talent leaving college football at that position this year. So you probably want to have more tape than, um, you know, what, what your most recent tape is, which is not very good. Like he, like, I think after the Notre Dame game, if you're just box score watching, you probably thought like wow, USC's defense, just like Notre Dame, you know, scored a bunch of touchdowns. They couldn't stop them. That was not the case at all. USC's defense actually was fine against Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame was able to score on all of those turnovers, but right, the turnovers right. were the reason yes. that Notre Dame had short the ball field. so often yeah. in short a short field position. Notre Dame's offense didn't have to do anything in that game other than one great pass to Chris Tyree, which yeah. I was ecstatic about. Yeah, it was very um, good. So... <laughs> So I don't know. I mean, I, I really do think that it comes down to like every individual's choice and you can, you know, you can choose whatever you want. And I think fans that hammer college athletes who have to make business decisions should empathize a little bit because, you know, a lot of us would do the same thing in their position. But I do think that Caleb Williams has a, a very good opportunity to turn things around, to come out of this, you know, come out ahead at the end of the season. Yeah. You had two tough games. A lot of teams have two tough games. Notre Dame had two tough games. Yeah, they did. Uh, you can't, like, I think NFL scouts will look for any reason to ding a quarterback or to ding a, a college player. And sitting out when you're not hurt, I think, would be probably not not the best choice. But again, like, he, he should do whatever he wants to do. Yeah, listen, it's his choice to do. As far as one other thing off the field, before we move on, the two top teams, it seems like they're the two top and maybe people feel there's separation between Georgia, Michigan, and then I think next is Ohio State, Florida State. I'm not sure how much I trust Florida State just yet. So, so here's Michigan, still has Penn State and Ohio State on their schedule. And what's going on there? Uh, the, the Michigan staffer, Connor Stallions, which 
There's no way that can be a real name. And yet we found out <laughs> it's a real name. Uh, basically, it, the Michigan is at the center of the sign stealing probe. And mm-hmm. it comes out that this guy has bought more than gone to more than 30 games over the past three years at 11 different Big Ten schools and basically has been caught taping signals on the sidelines. And supposedly now video is going to be coming out from the stadium surveillance video that is going to show this, which is going to be the ultimate damning thing when you're caught on tape doing it. And it is against NCAA rules to do this. Also, to send a staffer to another game that was actually deemed uh, against the rules because of budgetary reasons saying mm-hmm. all teams couldn't do that. So they didn't want anybody to do it, but certainly filming, it goes back to Spygate, right? With the Patriots and, yeah. and putting a camera on, uh, on the jets to get their signals. Mike and I were talking about this. My son, Mike and I were talking about this as to, okay, so say they're found guilty of this. What happens? What What is the NCAA going to do? I mean, it's like Notre Dame, when, when Mike and Jake were here, the undefeated year when they played in the title, all those wins were vacated because of something that happened academically with one of their students, I believe, right? Right. And the wins were vacated. So what? Wins vacated yeah, they play, is they a joke. Yeah, they played the game. Yeah, they played <laughs> the game. We know what happened, and that it had nothing to do with football. Now, in this one, you could you look at the record of the last three years, and it's it's you know two Big Ten titles into the playoffs twice yeah. since this supposedly had been going on. And if you sit there and ask me as a football player, if you know the signals of a team, that certainly can be an advantage to you if you know what formation they're going to be in or what play is going to be run or what defensive for whatever. That's an advantage to you. So right. I, I but I wonder what a how long the investigation will take. Because remember in college basketball, when all that was going on with the big probe going on in basketball, we thought, my God, basketball is going to be wiped off the face of the earth with all the damn, damning things. And nothing, nothing has yeah. really gone on from that. Years so, later, they were like, oh, exactly. infraction here, infraction there. Exactly. And on. So I guess outside of how when you think of the Patriots and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, you say, oh, between Spygate and Deflategate you know, blah, 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 as they dangle seven rings and say, we don't, yeah. we don't give a damn. It doesn't right? matter. It doesn't matter. So what, yeah. what happens out of this? I don't know. I think, so I think that the NCAA has wasted so much time and money fighting the, you know, the ghost of amateurism that they've lost so much credibility as a rule um, enforcing body. And so I think competitive balance is and that that is the reason for the rule. Competitive balance is a legitimate thing to try to, you know, regulate in college sports. And if, you know, the smaller group of five schools can't afford to send a staffer to 20 or 30 games ahead of time to to videotape the sidelines, like it the, I understand why the rule exists, but the fact is that no one respects the NCAA. So if they come out and tell college football fans that Michigan's doing something wrong, a lot of people are going to shrug it off, like you said, yes. because yeah. what's what's going to happen? Like, no, you guys don't do anything. You guys are just always whining and lobbying Congress, and you can't do anything uh, that actually is good for player welfare or or athlete welfare. So why do we care? I do think college football fans that are sick of seeing Michigan win a lot do care, and it's specifically Big Ten fans and opposing Big Ten coaches. So. To the extent that they're able to, you know, 
leak more things about Michigan and talk about how unfair it is and sway public opinion, that's going to end up mattering more than any infractions. Michigan still may win the Big Ten this year. They may win the national championship. They're a very good team. Um, and they're going to have to you know, face the cheating allegations like the Patriots forever. Does that matter? I don't know. To some people, I think it does. I, I'll call them cheaters forever because I hate Michigan. But, well, see, you know, you it just it just comes down to, like, no one respects the NCAA. It doesn't matter. And this seems like, you know, maybe it should matter, but you're never going to get any sort of, like, punishment out of Michigan. And a lot of teams probably do it, too, and just aren't yeah. as good at it. That's and that's the, the problem. Yeah, that, that that's a thing. They're not the first to do this, right? In, in maybe yeah. in the way they're doing it, but they're certainly not the first to do it. And they got caught doing it. It's so wild. Your era, like, you know, with my daughter, Sydney, Mike and JQ, for Notre Dame people, they dislike Michigan so much. For me, for me, if I didn't go to Notre Dame, I would have went to Michigan. For me, it's always been USC. It's always USC. So I, I get more out of, you know, us. Being I don't like USC. I'm with you. The USC rivalry i think it, you're right like it it definitely is the main rivalry but i think in the 2010s and 2020s the michigan rivalry yeah. because of all the back and forth and like close games and everything has really it's jumped taken up there. precedent i, I agree has, for sure even though it's not as old as a of a rivalry no, so not, not not at all the, the thing i find interesting is is michigan fans complaining that oh they're, they're just doing this to harbaugh to get him to the nfl you know and and, and get i'm like Listen, Michigan has just been on the scene for the last couple of years. I didn't see things like this happening to Nick Saban or to Dabo Sweeney or, to, or you know, the teams that were dominant for the last five, six years or more every year. You know, Michigan has just been the last couple of years. This is their, their kind of their third year. So I, I don't, don't know much if I believe that. But you wonder, you know, with the stupid bought a cheeseburger for a kid and got suspended for three games. And if that's this, what I mean, and if this has legs, but you wonder if it will make Harbaugh kind of like, this is ridiculous. And, and know some maybe violations might be coming and pull a Pete Carroll, right? When Pete was at yeah. USC and things oh, were yeah. going haywire there with, with some, some things going against that school, he ditches to the NFL. We're always waiting for Harbaugh to end up back in the NFL. I mean, that, that seems yeah, to be well, like a matter of when, not if. Didn't he take an interview with an, with yeah. the Vikings yes, on National did. Signing Day last yeah. year? I mean, yeah. that is he's I, always flirting, and some of that they can had be to make some of that three can be separate statements, right? And but some <laughs> of that year. some of that can be for negotiating for a contract, though, right? Oh, Maybe yeah. to get an extension or more money or something like that. Well, I think when it's like James Franklin or like one of the coaches who hasn't been in the NFL, you're like, okay, yeah, maybe they're just using it as leverage. But I think Harbaugh actually like would probably. You know, he was a successful NFL head coach. It would I would not be surprised if he wanted to coach in the NFL again, especially because you hear more and more college coaches complain about how hard recruiting is in the portal and NIL. And it's like, that's why you guys make $10 million and the rest of us don't. So I, I take your whining and I raise you. Uh, we don't care. <laughs> well, but I'm with you. Well I'm with you. I just I think the cheeseburger thing is a perfect example of like the NCAA, you know, staking their credibility on like Jim Harbaugh bought a recruit a cheeseburger that's an impermissible benefit and we're and then they're going to self-impose like this three-game suspension and, and make a big deal out of it and put their fingers in the air and like do a thing to honor free harbaugh t-shirts and everyone's going to roll their eyes and none of it really matters and they're playing three you know cupcake right, teams on exactly. their schedule so it, nothing ever you know it just doesn't matter so it's frustrating because i do think like maybe we could have a conversation in college football about competitive balance and how to you know keep 
things like this in check if they are a problem. And again, I think a lot of teams do this. I think it maybe is like the Astros situation right. where like they did it too well and they were way too obvious about it. And people found out and they're pissed and they're going to, you know, now the other Big Ten coaches will stand on their high horse and say Michigan's cheating. That's why we've been losing. Yep. And it's like, no, yep. you've been losing because you guys are not good. And Michigan and Ohio State are, are, are the only are good teams in this conference. Yep. And now UCLA and USC are joining and they, I mean, UCLA is pretty good, but USC might stink again. So it's not going to get any easy, any harder for any of these other teams. I, I just. Uh, I'm with it. Listen, everybody, uh, most, if you don't have a horse in a race, you're happy. The Astros are out that, that the Rangers beat them yes. and are now going to be in the world series and people without a horse in the race are probably going to be rooting against Michigan as well. All right. We wrap it up after this. All right, Jess, we've devoted uh, our time to getting back together after we've been away from each other for a while, taught breaking down coffee and our coffee habits, and then diving hard into football, both NFL and college. But we have not been together since I know we talked about it before. We had a couple of weeks away from each other. The Las Vegas Aces, you know, end up winning, which, which uh, amazed me in this series that they had played during the regular season four times and once in the Commissioner's uh, Cup, and everyone was a blowout. And they were all blowouts, except we got one good game in this thing, right? Uh, they, and they were all each team was winning at home, but the Aces go back to back, and uh, and probably are thinking, you know what, we could do this for a while. Congrats to them. Yeah, and their parade and their celebration and their post game press conference, it's like Vegas. they are so happy. Yeah. yeah, Asia Wilson might be like one of the funniest athletes. Like she cracks me up, but. Yeah, it was a the the game that they won it on was in uh Brooklyn at the Barclays right, Center. Right. And it was such a back and forth game. Like the Liberty looked like they were gonna tie it up two two. The best game of the series. It was definitely the best game of the series. I was just like change I changed my mind like ten times. I'm like, oh, but it'd be great if it went to a, another game. Right, right. And then I was like, Oh, but I don't want the you know, I don't want Vegas to win uh on the on the liberty home court right. and the fans were going crazy and then vegas won in the most like brutal way i mean yep. they they were playing great defense they were able to force a really tough outside shot right. to courtney vandersloot she air air mailed yes, it and then did. you know john quill jones had like a quarter of a second to try to get it in which she did but the buzzer went off so right. it didn't count so that would have been like the game winning shot at the end but the aces should get tons of credit for the defense that they played they played really well despite you know two of their starters being out uh not including Candace Parker who you know got injured earlier this summer um it remains I I think she'll be back next season to play again but like I don't I don't exactly know what her status is so hopefully she's back because she's obviously like a, a fan favorite but regardless like they didn't they didn't even need her in the series because they just were so good and the Liberty are good too yeah, I, they, they really are, are. Like you said, they won the Commissioner's Cup, and it just wasn't like there's this playoffs just was not their best basketball. So what will be interesting is these were the two super teams, and the Aces take it. Is this going to be good for the WNBA overall if these two teams continue to dominate, and the rest are just looking to kind of you know when can we get up there? What moves can they make to get up there? I mean, I think like it's definitely good for the WNBA because both of these organizations have committed a lot of money and a lot of resources to their teams and shocker when you do that you win and <laughs> i think it's a great example of like you know a lot of a lot of wmba owners i think are are content you know not investing everything into these teams like they think of it as an afterthought which is 
terrible. Um, whereas like Mark Davis, you know, he's won his second championship yeah. now with the Aces. Probably will never win one uh, with the Raiders. So <laughs> like, turns out, turns out, investing money into your sports team is actually gonna, you know, yield some results. Right. And also, like the Liberty have one of the best home court environments in basketball. So yeah, like I think you know having a having an actual successful sports team in New York is great. It's, you know, great to market those players. It's great to have a winning uh, team in this metropolitan area because all the other teams stink and they're terrible, especially the basketball teams. Although the Knicks made the playoffs, you know, whatever. But right. still, I mean, I, I do think that it does send a message like the Liberty's owner, he's the one who got in trouble for, you know, chartering Jets. Right, right. Which is not, which is against what's in the CBA. Um, because he, you know, he was looking out for his players, wanted them right. to have, yeah. you know, travel and, and comfort. And, you know, I think that that's a great example of like that kind of owner who wants to actually invest in the team and invest in the players well being in their facilities and their, you know, home court environment. Like they are the successful ones and everyone else can do that too. And like some teams have the resources and some don't, but like, why not, you know, why not invest more in your team? Well, we know everybody in F1 has the resources to fly private uh, with, without question. So let's, <laughs> let's end on that in the last minute, a couple of minutes that we have. So F1 was in Austin and it's Verstappen, Verstappen, Verstappen. I'm tired of talking about him, wins another championship. So give, give us another, a little, something else other than Max Verstappen. We, I think he won the sprint shootout. He won the sprint race. I mean, uh, he's done everything. So Blah, 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 blah. We know that. But what else is happening in F1 that we need to keep our eye on? Well, there was a lot of drama in this right. race involving Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc getting disqualified after the race. Mm -hmm. And actually, Mercedes ran a really good competitive race, as did McLaren. Um, Lewis finished in second. Lando Norris finished in third. But after the race, so Mike, there is a plank on the bottom of the Formula One cars. And after the race, Certain cars, not all of them for some reason, get measured right. by the FIA, right. the organizing body. And if there are if there's too much plank worn down, meaning the cars were running too low to right. the track, they can get disqualified. So Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc's cars were checked after the race. They found that the cars were had too much wear on them. So they were both disqualified, which is, you know, maybe you think it's not a big deal because Max Verstappen already clinched the driver's championship, but there is still a fight for second, third, fourth place in the constructors championship now. And so every point counts, especially, you know, Lewis Hamilton finishing in second gets, I think, 18 points. So this was a big, pretty big deal. And I think a lot of fans are confused why they were the only ones disqualified and why they didn't check the other cars. At the same time, the sprint format is a huge uh, cluster amongst yeah. fans, amongst the drivers. Like most of the drivers hate it. Most of the fans, you right. know, some of them ha like an extra day if you can go to the race to see, you know, racing other than, you know, Saturday and Sunday. But what happens is you get less time to set up your car to make sure that the ride height is adequate for the track that you're at. So that's what I think uh, the Mercedes and McLaren uh, teams are saying was that like, because we had a sprint race this weekend, you know, we didn't have enough time to make sure the cars right. were set up. So we, we didn't get this, the height, right. Whatever. So anyways, big controversy. Um, a lot of people are really pissed off. They'll be back this weekend in Mexico. I'm sure you'll hear more from the teams and the drivers about it because no one is happy right now. All I got to say is if you want to waste five, 10 minutes of your day, read about the plank that's on the bottom of these cars. <laughs> And, and why they're there and how they get measured and why they get measured. It is, it is, you want to talk it's about so diving tedious. deep 
into the F1 weeds. It is absolutely incredible. But uh, thanks for giving us a little bit of an update on that. But that's what it's about, the plank on the bottom the of the car. Why, Everybody, Why is there a plank? I don't yeah, know. Who cares? Go read more about it. That's on you guys to find out why there's the plank <laughs> at the bottom of the car and, and why it gets measured and what it's there for. So, all right, Jess, good to be back. We'll get on back on, on a roll again. And uh, good to see you. And I'll talk to you next week. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.